0: Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Uh, there, man, there's a thought on the tip of my tongue, and I and I'm it's not quite coming. When it comes, yeah. I'll just blurt it out and like interrupt your sentence, and just like we're gonna provide yeah. this nugget, and you'll be like, yeah, well, we were that we were talking about that ten minutes ago. We're gonna pause for a commercial <laughs> break while Pastor Fox goes to
1: get caffeine. Yeah, that's right, like, uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. This podcast um, is brought to you by Caffeine. <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm here, as always, with Daniel. I'm, of course, Tom, uh, back for another episode again. <clears throat> yeah, great to be here. Um, I'll tell you what, this
0: morning—okay, oh, if you don't know, this is the podcast for Christians who think about stuff, and we're going to relate. We just like to have conversations about—I get maybe you'd say anything and everything, maybe not everything, but <laughs> no, anyway, not, we not relate anything. normal things, just uh, thoughts that we have to, to uh, about life and and to the Scriptures— and so it's not, um, we're not we're not going through a systematic theology here, um, we're not uh, preaching a sermon, we're trying to reason through right. uh, life together, and we're glad that you've joined us for this conversation, yeah. and as we do, I want to take a moment to thank our supporters over at patreon.com slash reason together, and thank you so much for your support, uh, especially those on the elite level um, who are receiving the after show, the bonus episodes every time we record now for the last Boy, I I, I just helped somebody hook that up this morning uh, and get access to it. And I think we've been doing the after show since the late 40s. Um, And we're... We're It's like like 80 years. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, um, since the late 40s of episodes, and now we're over 100. So so somebody who would sign up at that elite level would have access to uh, dozens of after show episodes, besides our regular episodes. But we want to thank uh all those who have already signed on and uh and are supporting us over at patreon dot com slash reason
1: together. Yeah, we appreciate that. And the after shows, by the way, are shorter, just so you know. They're usually about twenty to thirty minutes. And uh we just kind of talk about how the episode went and uh it's a little more raw and um we, we leave bloopers <laughs> in. Um <laughs> And sometimes it's an expansion on what we've been talking
0: about yeah. or just another topic altogether.
1: It yeah, is, yeah. And so far, fun. everyone that's uh, that's gotten a hold of those uh, seems to really like them, thankfully. So uh, <laughs> yeah, patreon.com slash reason together. Sign up for an elite level and you'll get those. So, um, <clears throat> I was going to say, too, as you were doing part of the intro stuff there, that yeah. wouldn't you say sometimes this podcast is, um, yeah, as we try to reason through things, it's somewhat ugly. Um and and by that I mean it's not it's not a production. It's not uh it's no, not no. scripted. And that means it's gonna look kinda like a normal conversation you'd have with someone, you know, at church or at work or whatever. And um it's not it's not a highly produced thing. Uh, no, no. In fact, yeah, it's it's maybe from our
0: perspective somewhat embarrassing sometimes. Yes. You get to the end of man, I wish I had more to say about that. Um, yeah, but that's kind of a real conversation. It leaves it leaves you, the listener, with something to keep thinking about and to bounce around. Take some of the thoughts that we've added, and and then even help fill out our conversation by you know, responding to
1: us, reason together podcast at gmail.com and giving us your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. And and I think sometimes too, I don't know about you, but my perspective kind of grows with the episodes sometimes depending on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Cause there are some yeah. subjects I, I, I already have a fully developed opinion on and there are others where you ask me and I'm like, Oh, you know, I hadn't really thought through that yet. And, and it kind of, as each episode progresses, and we cover feedback and, and mm-hmm. we do follow up it kind of grows with the episodes, and we're thinking out loud, right? Which can be <laughs> which can be a little vulnerable sometimes. Sure. But anyway, yeah. Sure. Well, if we had any dignity left, we might uh, <laughs> we might not do such a thing as podcasting. But, um. <laughs> but just so you know what you're getting into here, um, you're uh, you're kind of meeting
0: two guys that are willing to. Uh, put It out there and hope that you give your feedback and hope that you have a friend like that that you can have just uh, good, hearty conversations with. Yeah, and um, Proverbs says something like that so, uh, something about the heart, the council, hearty counsel, you know, uh, from a man's friend. And if you don't have a friend like that, well, you've joined in to to meet a couple new ones, and I'm glad that you're here. Yeah, I have uh, this isn't anything deep here, but uh, this is probably quite a revelation. Or uh, quite a uh, a shocker here, and I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm all in. I'm not like totally committed here. But what I'm about to tell you might raise your eyebrows, okay? Okay. Because you know, because we've talked about this in the past. Um, you're you're like a barista, you know. You're a you're uh-huh. a connoisseur, not a barista. You're a connoisseur of fine coffees. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It seems like right. I somewhat, mean, somewhat. Yeah. yeah you, you like you kind of go to the details to make a good coffee, and me, I'm a tea guy. Not because I like tea so much, but just like I felt like it was for health reasons,
1: but something happened. The suspense the other day. is killing me. Come on out with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, here's what it is. I'm trying. I'm trying coffee. Okay? What? Yes, I'm trying coffee. I'm that raised I'm... both of my eyebrows. Because <laughs> okay, so here's how it happened. The other day, my my uh, my son, uh, my oldest son, works at an ice cream shop, and. It was a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago, it was something like National Coffee Ice Cream Day or something like that. And so the ice cream shop was doing a special. Uh, If you would buy anything, uh, you know, ice cream related that was coffee flavored, you'd buy one, get one free. So we took, we loaded up the family. We went in, thought we'd just you know, have some fun here. We ordered some ice cream. Well, I like I like coffee flavor things, mm-hmm. um, and so I got you know like a coffee chocolate chip blizzard thing, and it's real sugary. yeah, you know, I ate it. It was good, yummy. Well, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon that we did that. Okay, about three four o'clock. So I ate this coffee uh, thing. And I th- I'm thinking coffee, like maybe they have some sort of like a flavored syrup that they use, coffee flavored syrup. And, uh, man, I got to church that night and I was up there leading music and I was like, man, this is great. I love these people. I'm ready to preach, you know, and not that I don't love the people normally, but I mean, I was just like, (laughs) man, I was, I was in it and I sat down and I was zoned on the sermon. I was like, just keyed in. I was, I was, I, I was like paying better attention than, oh man, I was just like, I felt like I was keyed in and I felt good and I got home and, uh, and we did our evening thing, you know, and then went to bed and I laid there and, uh, well, I'm, we got home and I think my wife made a comment. She's like, you know, so-and-so had a baby boy. Wouldn't that be so nice? And I thought to myself, I could do that, you know? Um, and up to this point, I'm like, you know, I think we're good. I think we're good. We got six kids, you know, we're good. But I mean, I actually thought to myself, yeah, I think I could do that. And, uh, <laughs> and I went to bed, I couldn't fall asleep till like midnight. And I woke up the next morning, and my mind was running. I was thinking, oh, man, I need to do this and buy this and buy this. And You, know, you got those goals for, our, Yeah, goals <laughs> for our children and stuff. And at some point, it dawned on me. My son told me that they used coffee grounds for the flavoring. This is true. So, so I guess I had, like, the real deal. And I, I had to sit back after that 18-hour period and go, whoa. If that's what caffeine could do for me, I mean it was like a different perspective on life I'm you know what I'm saying? It was, it was uh I mean the the energy there like I was like I was thinking "Gold and, and out
1: there tripping on caffeine strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I but then I's like I don't I don't think coffee is good for you. Now maybe you have a perspective on this, but I just think I don't, I don't I think it's detrimental to your health and I don't have any hard facts on that um, yeah. necessarily, but but anyway, my wife uh uh-uh talked to me about that yesterday well god created the coffee bean you know and yeah and uh so so this morning uh my parents are here they're coffee drinkers um, well god created
1: marijuana too i
0: suppose (laughs) i will share that with her yeah and um no um not not the not the marijuana. I mean I'll share that thought with her.
1: Um <laughs> thank, thank you lest, for clarifying. Lest we be misquoted. Um, I think you're still tripping on caffeine. You're kinda Well, see the thing is I drank today. So, I, so I drank a cup this morning. I was like, I'm gonna give this a shot. Um you know? Yeah. So now now be pe- careful because if you get used to it every day, yeah, the effects of it kind of wear off. You 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 just develop a tolerance for it. <clears throat> oh, okay. So the trick is well, that's to only drink caffeine every once in a while. Ah, okay. Yeah. Like only on the days when I really need it. Well, one one
0: thing I did I didn't want to see when people say, Oh man, I've got a headache, I haven't had my coffee, I'm like, Whoa, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. If you have if you have like this caffeine addiction to me, that's exactly what it is, you know, that's that's a problem. Um mm-hmm. to be hooked to a a drink like that or a substance essentially. And yeah, I didn't sure. want to develop that, but I thought, you know, if this is this something that like people just run on the energy of coffee, like yeah. is that how is that how this is happening? Yeah. Well, I wonder <laughs> if
1: a, uh, if what Paul said applies there that he would not be brought under the power of any. That's what I think of. Yeah, yeah When I think of that, and so that that would be
0: my 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 caution. But yeah. I thought, man, if, if if it doesn't do that and it just gives me energy and causes me to think like that.
1: Man. <laughs> yeah, Let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm the same way. I, I switched to decaf years ago, and okay. uh, just because I, I felt like like I had to have it, otherwise I'd get headaches, okay. and I didn't like that. You know, I'm right if if you know me well enough, and I think you do. I don't like to be controlled. Too much, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know. Let let the Lord control me. But if something else, you know, which might come up in conversation in the podcast today, um, I I don't I don't like that that feeling. So I gave up uh, caffeine in favor for decaf. But every Mm -hmm. once in a while, I will have caffeine if I've had a short night's sleep and I've got to get up and go to work early. I'll have caffeine, and uh, it's a totally different ballgame. Uh, it is (laughs) you wake up swinging (laughs) yeah oh yeah so yeah yeah. i'm I'm impressed i'm impressed see yeah you know i
0: I mean i mean the jury's still out on it uh you know i'm not yeah (laughs) committing to anything here but we'll see i mean i I might come you know my, my study day today might be just like phenomenal Mm -hmm. You know, preach a couple
1: humdingers tomorrow. They'll be like, buy that man a bag of coffee. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does have a legitimate difference. But I I think, I think, uh, um, I don't know, you wouldn't call it a mind altering substance, would you? Um, Because, I mean, that would be a key difference between coffee addiction and say like marijuana. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, I don't see. When I see, when I think of mind altering, I think of something that actually kind of Um, maybe stupor is not the word, but it actually, it kind of, um, distorts what your mind is doing. Uh, this sort of just seemed to be like kind of an enhancement It like gave you the energy to think about things that, you know, basically an upper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I wouldn't quite call it mind altering. No. Maybe just, uh, stimulating. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh not very substantive, but there you go. Uh that's
1: uh <laughs> um don't, So do we have uh, any feedback to hit from previous episodes? I have some follow up from one of our subjects uh myself mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh it, it has to do with the subject of self government, which is what we talked about on mm-hmm. the last episode. And this is one of those things where I say that my perspective on this is developing as we go through these episodes mm-hmm. and I read more about it and think more about it. Um <clears throat> the the idea of self-government. In fact, the title of the last episode was is self-government higher than civil government. Cuz okay. I cuz I think when when as as Baptists, we often talk about different institutions. We talk about the institution of the the church, we talk about the institution of the home. We mm-hmm. talk about the institution of civil government, and these are all things God ordained and instituted. But we never seem to talk about the institution of self government. Hmm. Is that in and of itself something instituted by God, along with the other institutions we, we, we typically recognize? Self government. And, and it kind of was one of those duh moments where I was thinking about it after we recorded the episode last time, and I thought, why don't we ever include that in the institutions? that we talk about Um, because really it should be included. If you think about it, you know, how much does the Bible say about civil government? Um, Not a ton.
0: No. Mm -hmm. How
1: much does it say about um, the institution of the home? Well, a good bit more, right? And then how much does it say about the institution of the local church? Well, probably a good bit more too. But how much does Mm -hmm. it say about self-government? Quite a lot. If you think about it, self-government is kind of a foundational principle in almost every principle that the scriptures teach, and it's implied that self-government.
0: Meaning because because basically obedience is expected, which is uh, undergirded by self-government. The, con- the the very fact that you could obey means that you're governing yourself.
1: Yes. Is that the idea? That, that is true, but also that you personally are responsible as an individual. Okay, right, okay. I see. So if so you're
0: saying self-governing, you're tying that to personal responsibility.
1: Well, right, because you can't have yes. one without the other. If okay. you are okay. personally responsible Good. for your actions and your attitudes and your thoughts, your words and so on, then that means there is some self-agency. Uh, there mm-hmm. is self-government. Yes. Sure. So I wonder why we as Baptists don't often include self-government as one of the institutions when we talk about the home, the church, and uh, civil government. I think it should be included. Um, that's kind of the where my, my perspective is going on this. And Interesting. In thinking through it, it brought to my mind a book that I'd read years ago. I think I've actually mentioned it before on this podcast. It's a book by my friend Paul kurtman um, Oh, okay. And uh, it, it's called Don't Tread on Me. Mm-hmm. And I have it right here, and it's, uh, it's on the constitution and state sovereignty. I read this book... I don't know how many years ago now. And it was a really great book. Um, Really helped formulate um, some of my own uh, personal views about civil government. But he spends a good bit of the early part of the book talking about self-government. And I've been reading this book to to my sons um, since the school year started. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to get through a chapter a day or every other day or so. But he has this section here on self-government or individual sovereignty we might call it Um, he says in the declaration of independence thomas jefferson wrote all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these life are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness in other words what our founding fathers were asserting was the fact that the king of england was not at all sovereign over the people Simply because all men are created equal, all men are sovereign over their own persons. Each one unto himself is bestowed with sovereignty at the moment of creation. And therefore, each man, for lack of a better word, is his own king. And this started to resonate with me as I read this to my sons the other day, that this is part of the reason why the founders asserted that the American form of government was created for a self-governing and religious people
0: Hmm.
1: is because they were recognizing individual sovereignty. And, and he goes on in the book here. He says, uh, he says, now let me quote part of the uh, previous, the previous part of the declaration of independence and continue on with the principle that defines the existence of the U S constitution. he says, this is the principle quote, that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed and mm-hmm. quote and then he says let me touch on that last part of that quote where it says deriving their just powers from the self from the consent of the, the governed it is from that from this that that principle of self-government is taken from the declaration of independence we can come to the conclusion that government is only legitimate if it does the following two things secures and protects the inherent rights of the citizens, and two, operates with the consent of the citizens. Hmm. So it started to, to come together in my mind how, um, and I want to be careful here, but when we read about what the Bible says about obeying government, mm-hmm. what was their concept of government in those days? The only kind of government that existed was nothing like the American form of government because it, <laughs> did, it, it did not base anything on the, the rights, the inherent God-given rights of the citizens, and none of it was based on the consent of the governed. Now go back. We're talking about the government of whom now in the Bible, your scripture you're saying? In, in the era in which, uh, for instance, Peter's epistles were written okay, and when Romans. the book of Romans was written, where mm-hmm, it talks mm-hmm. about obeying government, okay. they had a much different concept of government then. There was a divide. You're not, you're not talking about the
0: biblical concept, but actually the cultural the concept? The cultural
1: concept okay. of government, yes. There, a, there was a divide between people and civil government. Hmm. Uh, they were two different entities in those days, and mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. had to obey the government. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting, and I think this is why many call the American form of government the American experiment, mm-hmm. is that this is government- of the people,
0: right? And of you mean out of the people, right? Not governing of the people, right? But a the
1: government p- born out of the people themselves, exactly. The people themselves give consent of uh, to to the government to do whatever it is they do, mm-hmm. and it is from those people that the government is elected and chosen. It is from those people uh, that the that that the people are represented before the civil government. So it's a totally different form of government. Now, the reason I say I want to be careful in doing this is not, I don't want to, to, to establish some principle that because something is different culturally today than it was in the Bible times, <laughs> that we can yeah. just disobey it. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you um, mean disobey the, the biblical command as if it's outdated. Right, I'm not okay. saying that the biblical concept of obeying government is outdated. But what Mm -hmm. I am saying is that there should be a sense in which the American form of government should be treated differently because it is government of the people, by the people and for the people, and it is Mm -hmm. derived, their powers are derived from the consent of the governed. So I think there should be a sense in which we do handle uh, civil obedience or disobedience differently in the American form of government because it's totally different than government in the time when scripture was written. Um, does that make sense? I am seeing some of that. I think, yeah, I'm tracking with you. And, and you filter into that the concept of individual sovereignty, right? That there is another institution that we as Baptists often forget to mention, and that is we should be governing ourselves. If government comes from me as one of the citizens and government begins to do and say absurd things, then my individual sovereignty must take precedence, does that make sense? Okay, say it again. If if the government sorry, come... if I'm processing <laughs> slowly <okay>. today. <laughs> That's okay. The, the coffee must be wearing it off. Must be wearing <laughs> off. We hit you right at the wrong time.
0: Man.
1: If 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 government get, derives its power from me, the citizen. Yes. Okay. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is giving respect to self-government because I'm essentially governing myself by way of civil government because the powers are derived from me, the citizen. Yes. Okay. So if the government then then expects me to do absurd uh, and out of the ordinary and, and unbiblical things, my self sovereignty, my individual sovereignty as an institution that God created, should take effect. As mm-hmm. a self governing person, then I have an obligation before God to do what is right. When the government does yes. not, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's why I think a lot of the <clears throat> yeah, and and, and at the beginning of this, the whole thing with the masks, and that's what we talked about last time, my perspective was different in that I was viewing it as, okay, it's not harmful for, for me to wear a mask. Um, the government mandates that I do it, you know, I, I should just do it because the Bible says I should obey civil government. But my perspective is growing on that because uh, you know self government should be counted as an equal institution among civil government, uh, uh, the institution of the church, and the institution of the home. These are all institutions God created. But uh, I think at some point every Christian is going to change their mind about this. And here's kind of an absurd example. Okay? Let's say the government decided to mandate tomorrow that every citizen when they're out in public has to wear a potato sack over their head. And they have to wear boxing gloves on their hands. Okay, that's that's Mm -hmm. kind of an absurd example. But let's say, you know, let's say that's what Fauci decides everyone should do and the (laughs) CDC decides they're for it and the government decides to mandate it on a state level. Every state starts instituting that you need to wear a potato sack and boxing gloves over your hands. You know, you can breathe through a potato sack. You can even kind of see through a potato sack. Uh, And you can do a whole lot of things with boxing gloves on. They're not as limiting as you might think, but they are somewhat limiting. But you'd say that's completely absurd. I think at that point, I think many Christians would start to change their mind about obeying civil government, um, because that's absurd that the government would ask us to do that or demand that we do that. Um, I mean, do the Christians now that say we should wear masks because states mandate them, would they also wear a potato sack and boxing gloves over their hands? Um, I don't think they would, because at some point they're going to draw a line. Mm-hmm. It's just we've drawn our lines in different places, okay?
0: And part of it's been for—because it's not so terribly inconvenient that I can't do it, and because I feel a pressure that if I don't do it, I look mean, right. oh, I'll just go ahead and do it. Right, it's, exactly. It's not that inconvenient. But I
1: think it's more than that also. I think there may be, in some cases—and I'm not saying this across the board for everyone— there may be even some sense of cowardice because um, I think right now if if— mass quantities of unsaved people of the world started rejecting the idea of wearing masks and defying the executive orders of their states which uh did happen the other day in a target by the way um which i can link to that in the show notes but uh if if mass quantities of unsaved people started disobeying the executive orders something tells me that a lot of the christians would follow along um and I think what what they're kind of waiting for is for their comfort level to, to change.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it's yeah. not that they necessarily wouldn't defy the mask order. It's just they don't want to look alone in defying the mask order. Um, and that's why I say I think at some point every Christian is going to change their mind about civil government the more absurd things get. Mm-hmm. You just have to draw the line somewhere. and. I'm, I'm growing in the opinion that it should be drawn early on rather than later.
0: Yeah. Now, um, two things. Number one, uh, that we have maybe expressed our thoughts and it's kind of been evolving. We've tried to bat it around, but as far as the actual effectiveness of masks period now, there might be some listeners who still see a value in masks. And Mm -hmm. so, so we're not saying that everybody who wears a mask is a coward and, 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 you know, wants to defy because there are some who want to wear the mask and, you know, maybe should, Uh, I suppose, you know, we talked about anyway, the droplets and things like that. But anyway, I don't, I don't personally see a a value in it, but um, yeah. Anyway, the other thing to say, let me, let me ask you go back. Okay. So you were kind of going on the self-governing thing. Now what's a little bit difficult is maybe to wrap my mind around calling it an institution, um, but I mean, For lack I, I mean of a I get better yeah I get what you I get what you're saying, um, and I think my take on it like processing it and saying it in my words is kind of what we had talked about before that what we're saying is that government isn't legitimate if it isn't- authorized by God to do what it's doing, and what you're saying is God essentially authorized mankind to be sovereign in themselves, and out of that sovereignty came the legitimacy of a government over the people the american form of government the american form of government and so when that form of government is not acting really by god's authority they're illegitimate Uh, would that be fair i mean god's given us god's the one that gives us our authority to be sovereign over self i guess maybe we could say that yeah
1: well what i'm saying is they're illegitimate when their interests are no longer to secure and protect the inherent rights that God has given each citizen as okay, self-governing okay. people, and that's a good good statement. Um, so, and when they don't operate with the
0: consent of the citizens, and and I think you bring about some good thoughts there. My to go back to the scripture, though, I don't know that that's necessarily contrary to the biblical statements on authority, because I know at first blush they look like. And, and I think it's probably widely taken as, well, the Bible says obey authority, so whatever they say, I got to do, until it crosses maybe some doctrinal line. Um, however, I guess I would just at least consider the idea that um, that government has uh, delegitimized itself maybe before some, like, obvious doctrinal thing. Mm-hmm. In other words— um, you know, at, at a point they say, well, um, uh, what does what, what uh, China do? What do you call it? Population control, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're only allowed to have two kids. Now you have to abort the rest. And we go, whoa, whoa, why? I can't kill my baby. That's wrong. That's wrong. But way before that, has government really stepped out from the authority of God to just kind of yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: do its own thing? And anyway, if that, I, yeah. I guess one of the— If that becomes a like, mandate, you've waited too long. You know what I mean? By that point, when government's willing mm-hmm. to do something like that, it's been going on too long, where the citizens have just said, yeah, okay, I'll just obey it. And, yeah. Uh,
0: and, and if somebody... Um, oh, I just had a
1: passing thought here. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know you know what the slippery slope uh, fallacy is. You're familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Um one of the things that that we Christians I guess are good at is oftentimes noticing the slippery slope and mm-hmm. trying to mitigate. Now the the reason why the slippery slope is called a fallacy is because just because something has been a slippery slope in the past does not mean it always will be. So um, it's a generalization. It's a generalization. It's a yeah, so I mean if if I decide that that we're going to sing um you know what's that what's What's that hymn in the hymn It's in almost every hymnal. Um it's got the this Hawaiian it's based on a Hawaiian song.
0: He lives uh, He, he lives, lives on high. high.
1: Yeah. Da, 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 da. That one. Um <laughs> there's your your nugget for the day right there. Um if I decide we're going to sing that hymn in church and and I have no problem with that hymn, but you know some people right. might say, "Oh, that's a slippery slope to using the world's music." Because right. in the past someone used a hymn that had A worldly tune to it and they ended up going the contemporary Christian music route okay so Mm -hmm. because it was a slippery slope for that person does not guarantee it will be a slippery slope for everyone and Mm -hmm. uh, and there there are other factors included there as well so we're good at pointing out the slippery slopes okay but somehow when it comes to the matter of government it's like we ignore the slippery slope you know as Christians we should be able (laughs) to identify that you know if the government takes away this right today what are they going to take away in 10 years? Mm -hmm. And it's like, all of a sudden, the slippery slope doesn't exist because they didn't cross a biblical boundary. Yeah, yeah. That to me seems very inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Uh, there, man, there's a thought on the tip of my tongue, and I and I'm it's not quite coming. When it comes, yeah. I'll just blurt it out and like interrupt your sentence, and just like we're gonna provide yeah. this nugget, and you'll be like, yeah, well, we were that we were talking about that ten minutes ago. We're gonna pause for a commercial break while Pastor Fox goes to
1: get caffeine. That's right, like, ah, come, on, come on, come on, come on. This podcast um, is brought to you by caffeine. <laughs> oh goodness.
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. Um, um uh, Can we link to that book? Um, yeah. On uh, the, the the "Don't Tread on Me" book. Um, yeah, definitely. Because that that'd be helpful. Because as I look it up on Amazon here, there's other books called "Don't Tread on Me" that yeah. deal with other things. You know, patriotic quotes, uh, history of America at war, blah. You know, um, photographs and life stories of American revolutionaries. So. To get to that book specifically, uh, yeah, would help. Well,
1: it's it's probably on his website. He has uh, his personal website. I'm sure that's probably still up, and I'm sure you could buy it there. So I will link to but that yeah. uh, in okay. the show notes. I, it's a good read, though, and it's it's simply put. It's not it's not a, a um, it's not outside of the average person's reach.
0: That's good. Um, and and just a side note, uh, unrelated to what we were talking about, really, but the fact that you're reading it to your boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I could encourage our dads who are listening to, to begin reading to your boys. Um, I've been doing that for years on Sunday afternoons, uh, and we've gone through several books, um, and a lot of them were fun, fiction ones. One was a Christian allegory, which taught, you know, some neat lessons through an allegory. Those were good. Um, and then we just did some—what's that?
1: Those are good. I know the ones you're talking about, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so and those—you know, we, we've gone through some fun ones, but then we went through um, Mansfield's Guide to Manly Men, uh, right now we're doing one that I've really enjoyed, um, and they're just short chapters but neat thoughts, good illustrations, and it's called, I think, Beyond Boyhood, or Boyhood and Beyond. Uh, and I don't have the, the author, but we could, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and he also then made one that was recommended to me by a pastor years ago, a uh, pastor friend in Michigan. And, um, and he's crea- that, that same author, I believe, has written another one called Created to Work, and so you know, um, but but in that, like I, I like that idea. Here, you're reading um, a book to your boys about about the Constitution, American government, self governance. Um, that's an important issue. And, it is. And to get to get young men by the time they get to college, they've thought through some meaty things, mm-hmm. and they have an idea of where they stand on things, and they've been yeah. exposed, you know, to Bible and politics, and. Yeah. They're just not like, oh, whatever, you know.
1: Right. Well, I think if uh, if Christian parents wait until their kids go to Bible college or college of some kind for them for their kids to actually start learning important things, that's too late. It's just too late. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Not you know. to mention uh, what kind of what kind of influence
0: and awesome opportunity and, and the fun. Uh, the valuable experience that yeah. you have basically abdicated to another institution yeah. to teach your kid the important things. Yeah, what? right. You're the parent. And, and I know? personally
1: don't—I'm uh, um, not, I'm not going to put the teaching of theology to my children in the hands of a Bible college. Now, I, I know there's good Bible colleges out there, but you know, I, I feel like that should be my responsibility and that they should know those things before they get there. Um, and, and frankly, I think, uh, you know, a young fella going off to, to Bible college should be able to give the professors a run for their money, you know, not that they should be stinkers and cantankerous, but they should be able to, to ask challenging questions.
0: Yeah. At least be to a, a point where they know maybe to ask questions or how to think and analyze what's being said, not just like, oh, whatever, whatever yeah. I'll, I'll repeat it on the test and okay, yeah. whatever he said, that must be the, that must be the truth, yeah. you know? And so, and one other thought your kid doesn't have to go to Bible college, like right after he graduates. No.
1: <laughs> you no. know what
0: I'm saying? It's not like, it's not, it's not, um, federally mandated <laughs> that your child go to college at 18. If he goes to college at all. Right. Um, and now maybe it's valuable and maybe that's the thing for him to do, but you know, you don't know, but maybe another year might, it might cause him to mature enough. Um, yeah, that, that he really begins to turn a corner and a corner in his thinking and, um, and in his perspective on life before he approaches uh, subjects in
1: college yeah. and things like that. But well, it's he a, has to have
0: enough at home it is, to be profitable.
1: It is a strange phenomenon sometimes that a, a young guy goes off to college or a girl goes off to college, uh, you know, right after high school, and and sometimes they come back less mature than they left. Because really? yeah, some in some cases, not every case, because you know they're they're going off to Bible college, and you know as a freshman they're going to be around their peers, meaning a whole bunch mm-hmm. of people their age with the same mentality. Whereas perhaps in their church setting, in their home setting, before they went to Bible college, there was less of that. They were around more adults, um, mm. you know, and, mm. and, and there's this weird phenomenon. But if you wait a year or two and you send them off to Bible college, now the freshmen are no longer their peers. <laughs> okay. Mm. So there's uh, not that, that desire to let's hang out with the freshmen and do just have a lot of fun.
0: Right. Because they're younger than me already and I have other things. Yeah,
1: and I think there'll still be some of that, but at least you can mitigate it some.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. You want to jump to now again? I'm. <laughs> if this thought comes to my mind, it might be an after-show thought. Yeah, I'll just tease him with that. Yeah, okay. maybe my memory will kick in by the after-show, and then I'll provide this nugget about what we were talking about earlier. Anyway, um, we have some some fun questions here. Yeah, I'll let you pick. Uh, and it's it's hard to know. Uh, may, can we can we at least touch on? Uh, we're not going to deal with this passage today, but you have a a, a, a verse in in the ideas here yeah. that I do want to bounce around but the underlying thought to that verse did you mind would you mind sharing that what you said to me before the show oh yes That's kind of um, why
1: it's it, in your study l- sure let me give the text first it's proverbs 26 and verse 10 it says the great god that formed all things both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth transgressors okay, okay. and i'm going to be perfectly honest with you and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, just, just to be clear. I always have to make that disclaimer. But I do use study <laughs> materials that mm-hmm. reference the Hebrew words that are here. And I, I use a complete word study Bible where you can look up every Hebrew word there. Um, mm-hmm. It is a very difficult passage. And every single commentator that I read on this said the same. They said, this is a difficult passage. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one writer actually there was more than one that said this about this verse that the hebrew is unintelligible wow unintelligible that meaning is a strong word meaning that they can't understand it
0: yeah but but what does that communicate to the reader okay somebody who's diving into the word of god and you read it and you say this hebrew is unintelligible well, okay, it means I can't understand it, but it almost seems to mean that you know, God hasn't preserved any capability of knowing how to discern what he meant by it. You know what I mean? Like we like we couldn't know. Do you think like it's just like simply it's impossible?
1: Saying,
0: yeah. That's what it sounds like to me, like unintelligible. Yeah. Like it's just sort of gibberish at this point. We really can't draw any meaning from it unless we're guessing at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I read in a—I um, uh, was reading here recently for studying, and I'm trying—what was the comment somebody made? Um, oh, it was something similar to that. It wasn't the word unintelligible, but it was—oh, oh, it's obscure. This is obscure, or something like that. And my take on that is to say, if something is unintelligible or obscure, it's merely our human— Ignorance um, at the moment, but I'm not ready to resign to the fact that God has any passage in Scripture which we cannot understand, given enough time and study and prayer, whatever. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I understand all of them. And I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I was <laughs> kind of wrestling yeah. over some the other day, going, well, yeah. "How do you explain that?" You know, I want to make sure that I'm accurate. But, but to say. Here's a passage, and, you know, I'm sorry, we really, we really don't know what it says. I think that's a problem.
1: I'm more comfortable with the word obscure than I am with the word unintelligible. Because um, obscure just means it's less overt than other, other passages. Okay. It's, it's, it's more but, rare. It's not as used as, as much as other words. But still, in your mind, would you say that, given enough study, I could land on and say, this is what God's saying. I think that—I I agree with you, but here's, here's the caveat. What if there is a passage of Scripture where um, it is difficult enough that the only way to really gain an understanding of it is by illumination? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, because you, you, would, you would acknowledge that the Holy Spirit has a ministry in which he illuminates the mind— um, not in some weird mystical way. But I do think that there are some passages that are difficult, and as we study them, we can get a sense of the thing um, by means of the Holy Spirit's illumination. So, so it may be difficult wording. It may be a difficult, difficult passage to study. But I, I believe I can get the understanding of it. But it's more of an inward sense that I believe this is the correct understanding of this verse. Whereas mm-hmm. some verses give you the outward sense of understanding by being crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Cause I mean, y- you would have to acknowledge yeah. some verses are crystal clear. Others are difficult. Right. Paul even said yes. that there are oh, some yeah. things hard to be understood. Yeah. Or Peter. So
0: yeah. 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 Or was it Peter that Peter said that, Peter said that about Paul's writings? In which, oh yeah. That's, know, that's right. Some that's right. Are, about to He's like, Paul's man, some things Paul writes, they're, they're tough to understand. <laughs> I, I stand
1: corrected. Um, but uh, but the point is, with some passage being difficult, um, as Christians we have to recognize the place of the Holy Spirit's work in the Christian and, through the Word. Meaning there are going to be passages that you might say are obscure; they're difficult because the wording is rare. There are some Hebrew words that are only used once in the entire Bible, right? And and the way we often understand how the word is to be used is by looking at all the different ways that it's used. But if it's only used once, you'd say, well, that's obscure. It's difficult. So when we study Mm -hmm. a passage, we have to let the Holy Spirit work and give us an understanding of those passages that are hard to be understood. Um, But to go back to the word unintelligible, you have to almost bring in the scenario of what if there is a passage that is so obscure and difficult that... The Lord returns or the Lord raptures the saints from the earth. Church age ends, right? And no one was ever able to actually get the sense of that verse correctly or accurately, okay? Um, if, if that's even a real scenario. I'm just bringing up a, um, a theoretical scenario here. You mm-hmm. would say that that verse was unintelligible, right yeah, but
0: i don't think it had to have been right if that if that was the case it wasn't that he returned and nobody knew the sense of it because they couldn't um because my take is okay god god is light god mm-hmm. manifests and god reveals himself um he wants to be known and yes Deuteronomy 29:29 whatever context that's in i think it is you know the secret things belong to the lord but why would god say something that's that, that was meant to be secret. Like, here, I'm telling you something, but I don't want you to understand it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, right. what, would, what? I mean, you know what I'm saying? If God is saying it, if God used his prophet or an apostle or whoever to actually pen the words or say the words, ob- obviously he wanted us to
1: understand something by it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so- I mean, that's true. But, I mean, think about those poor Old Testament saints who never saw the Church Age coming, they never saw the death of the messiah coming they never saw that that he would be rejected by israel they never saw that coming and paul said those things were a mystery and basically god mm-hmm. withheld their understanding on purpose until the appropriate time in history right um what if what if there are things that are mysteries to and i'm i'm speaking theoretically here i don't i'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of kind of playing devil's advocate okay yeah, I don't actually believe this. But what if there are things that are <laughs> mysteries? Okay. What if there are things yeah, that are well, mysteries there's... right now where we look at these words in the Bible and we, we don't fully understand them, but when the rapture happens and we go to be with the Lord, right, he'll give us understanding of those things by and by.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How would, well, you, I understand how would that, you answer someone I understand who says that. that? I would say, is there any passage in the New Testament scripture
0: that says to the New Testament believer, there are certain things that will be mysteries to you. For instance, Paul said, those were mysteries, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm sent out to to preach the mystery, okay, Um, or whatever. So I'm saying, if, if Paul's basically saying, now these mysteries are coming to pass, they were mysteries to the prophets, but look, now we are unfolding these things. Is there any
1: passage that says, but... You've got your own set of mysteries, (laughs) you know. No, there isn't. Um, But you know, I mean, to be devil's advocate again, I don't think the Old Testament prophets were necessarily made aware that some of the things they were saying were mysteries. Were they? Um, I think they kind of had an internal sense of it
0: because it says, um, "It says, um, oh, what's the what's the text of it here?" Um, Um. Give me, give me a locate on that where it talks about they didn't um, know what they were writing, Hebrews, or um,
1: that the prophets didn't
0: know. The prophets didn't know what they were writing of until that that they were writing the things for us. You know what I'm saying? I know that's like a very hard. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know where to start with that. That paraphrase is uh, pretty rough. There. Um, (laughs) Let's see. this podcast is brought to you by <laughs> give, give me a second give me a second by long um, pauses <laughs> 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 which have been edited out afterwards um okay just a second all right okay uh let's see first peter chapter 1 of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Um, So it's not that they didn't necessarily understand that the Christ would suffer uh, or that there would be glory, but when? When was that going to happen? Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves... But unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Um, So it's almost like the prophets kind of somehow God revealed that to them that, look, you don't understand all these things, but down the road somebody will. Do you you see that in that passage? Mm -hmm. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things so did they did they kind of just write these things and go, "Oh my goodness, this might be an obscure passage that we'll never know until the Lord comes um I don't necessarily think that's the case, but go- I mean, I know you're kind of doing the devil's advocate yeah. thing, so yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean
0: i in in an interesting you know <clears throat> thought, but I guess my you know i mean I guess I'd have to think through, is there something that God means to sort of set to us as a mystery that Ah, when we see him, oh, I see it, but I I personally don't think that. Yeah. And and when we look at a passage and we say, "Well, that's obscure." Okay, I
1: get it. It's it's difficult to understand. Peter even said that. Yeah. But um but they're, in uh, that passage, go ahead. They they're often difficult to prove to someone else when we're talking about a challenging passage because uh to go back to the idea of some some verses being crystal clear and others being more difficult. When mm-hmm. we have those difficult passages, I think in those times we have to rely on being a separated, humble, spirit-filled child of God in order to have the illumination of the Holy Spirit. But when you're talking to someone else, maybe they're not. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, so can you really prove your point to someone else who is not being illuminated by the Spirit of God about that passage? I don't think you can. Um, it,
0: um, yeah, I, I'm going to pull it out of the illumination context for a minute. I say, part of it is a learning thing. Um, to go back to Second Peter, I just want to bring out this this when when Peter references Paul. He admits, man, some of the things Paul wrote are hard to understand, mm-hmm. okay, which is helpful because we read some of it and go, whoa, whoa, my goodness, he's got all these sub-clauses and Paul's really got these long sentences and it's hard to understand. But notice what he says, as also in all his epistles, talking about Paul, speaking of in them, of, of these things, in which, in, in some of Paul's epistles, are some things hard to be understood so, but that doesn't just give a, a blanket justification that we can't understand certain scriptures because he says, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can take a hard passage and without knowledge or without, um, maybe you, like what you're referencing, a spiritual stability, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll twist those things and make them mean something else. But, but taking that. It says, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Right. But, but to take the flip of that is to say, if they had learning
1: and stability, they could understand those passages. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think then about the phrase, good men disagree?
0: Yeah, I don't—I uh, would question that. Well, I mean, obviously, good men can disagree, but can they both be right? Can they both say, well, I'm illuminated by the Spirit— and this is what I this is what I see, uh, and so this is what's right. And another guy says, well, actually, this is what I see, and this is what's right. Well, two things
1: can't be right, I mean, so then, on the same So then are you saying, passage. then, that one of them is not really filled with the Spirit and, and thus incorrect?
0: Um, I don't know if I would say one's not filled with the Spirit. I think, uh, to at least be kind, and maybe this is giving too much— um, uh, is to say that they have uh, an incorrect um,
1: perspective of, uh, of things. Um, I, I guess you, what I mean is if you take two learned men, scholarly mm-hmm. men, and they're yep. both uh, veteran Christians of many years, and they're both walking with the Lord, filled with the Spirit of God, <clears throat> is it possible for them to disagree on something? Um, it
0: seems to be certainly from experience. However, my question is: Would the Holy Spirit lead two godly men, whom He is filling and directing and controlling, to different conclusions? That's
1: the question I'm asking. Wouldn't
0: that, yeah, wouldn't that be confusion? So I would say no. It, it seems outside of the character and the design of God to do that, mm-hmm. to to lead people to confusion. So I don't know that I would so much. Um, I don't know that I would so much question. Their spirit filledness, like, oh, hmm. you guys are actually lying, right? But you're not filled. But the spirit. do you see but the problem? My point is go to ahead. say, that, go ahead. yeah, I guess my point is simply to say that the fault lies somewhere else. That maybe they're not as learned, or that that one's not considering the point of the other, um, or they're on different, they're in different stages of their spiritual growth.
1: But not that they're not spirit filled. But do you see the problem though? This causes that if ten different, uh, you know, commentators say this passage is unintelligible then all of them are either unlearned, unspiritual, or both. And to develop an mm-hmm. opinion on it, what you are basically asserting, if you're dogmatic about it, is, I am both learned and I am spirit-filled, and if you disagree with me, you're not. Um. Well, I mean, to, I wouldn't
0: personally think that. I would say I'm, I, I believe that I'm in the spirit-filled, and this is what I believe it means. Now, if somebody comes to me and says, now, I, I think that all of these learned men, even like you say the, the example before, okay, let's say two, quote-unquote, good men come to different conclusions. I think they should be able to do what we're doing here and reason together and say, no, wait, did you notice that assumption in your inter- interpretation? Right. You know, or wait, did you do? You, do you realize what, how your, um, you know, the very foundation of your interpretation? Of, you know, what's that saying about God when you say this? Yeah. Okay, well, if both of them are humble men, and they go, hmm, I hadn't considered that. Wait, okay, I see where I was wrong there. Yeah. Then they grow, but they still should be coming to the same mind, and that's what yeah. God wants for all believers, the entire yeah. church. I want you to be of one. Mind, mm-hmm. and if he wants them to be of one mind, then it, it's possible to do. Um,
1: you know, yeah, um, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree, but I think it needs some clarification. But we'll have to save that for the after show. In fact, I even have okay. a reference from John's epistles that I want to bring into this discussion, uh, in okay. the after show, Good. but that'll have to wait for now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we've run a little over, run into a little bit of technical difficulty, but uh, you won't know that, listeners. Hopefully it's been <laughs> smooth for you. Thank yeah. you for for joining in. And uh, and again, if you have some feedback on this, you go, oh man, you guys, you haven't thought about this. Hey, I uh, hope we're humble enough to at least <laughs> listen to it, consider it. Because otherwise, if
1: you don't agree with us, you're not spirit-filled and you're <laughs> unstable. But um, no, not really. Thanks for, for joining us. Yeah, if you'd like to give us your thoughts, send it to reasontogetherpodcast at Gmail. Com. Anyway, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.